This episode is brought to you by Verizon. With Verizon, you can now get a private 5G network, so you can do more than connect your business. You can make it even smarter. Now ports can know where every piece of cargo is and where it's going. Robots can predict breakdowns and order their own replacement parts. And retailers can get ahead of the fashion trend of the day with a new line tomorrow. With a Verizon private 5G network, you can get more agility and security, giving you more control of your business. We call this enterprise intelligence. From the network America relies on, Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available in select areas. Pre-qualification required for private 5G network. Terms apply. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. I never get tired of good conversation. It truly is the gift that keeps on giving. That's the truth. Good conversation never gets old. And I don't think it's ever gotten old for any humans across the span of our existence on the planet. It is a wonderful way of grabbing people's attention, of making them think, having a mutually incredible experience where we can go away and really reflect and understand each other better. It's always the sense that I get with the next guest on the show, Haley Roberts. Haley's been on before, and I think you'll be able to see that we really enjoy chatting with each other, and the conversation is very stimulating, and I hope it stimulates you to think of other things as well. Haley Roberts. Guess who's back? <laughs> back, back again. Haley's <laughs> back. Yay! Hello, friend. Guess Hello. who's back? Guess who's back? Okay, you don't. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. But. I, I mean, <laughs> you can keep going. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. You never know how it's going to start with me on here. Haley, I'm pumped to have you back. I'm so excited to be back. Well, I tell you what, that was one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, I love that. The one we talked on, I lift, I've listened to it. I don't often listen back a ton to the stuff because I'm producing so much content all the time. Totally. It's just so much time. You know, we're up to 127 episodes. This is all, and most of them are an hour plus. So that's yeah. like a lot of hours. But I yeah. went back and I listened to ours and I was like, wow, that was like, that was crazy. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> Can I just tell you the number of messages I got on Facebook and in my email and in my phone of like, I know the answer to the ghost joke. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I hate all of you. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you remember, it was, um, what room of the house is a ghost's least favorite room? I don't remember. But I was just like, I think this guy just ghosted this woman on a ghost joke, but there is actually an answer to it. And the answer is the living room. Oh, the living room. <laughs> and I'm so upset that I didn't figure that out. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. That's cool. You got a lot of people uh, connecting on that, you know. Yeah. Awesome. I know. Pretty I loved funny. it. I told some bad jokes, you know, it's okay. Those are the only jokes I'm here for, truly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, and we, you know, it was funny. There were some deep subjects to discuss, and that's kind of what I, uh, I envision all of this is just, you know, you can get a little serious, get a lot of funny, and uh -huh. everything in between, you know. Perfect. That's that's truly why I'm here. 
That's awesome. Actually, I just was bound. I bounced from one podcast episode to the next. I was on with a sci-fi writer. Oh, cool. And I know, right? He wrote this. He sent me his book. It's called Zosma, and it's this big futuristic sci-fi universe. And so we were chopping it up about sci-fi and the different levels, like cerebral sci-fi versus kind of your dystopic future sci-fi uh-huh. and all that. It was really amazing, actually. That's super cool. Yeah, it was just how we, you know, it's it's really a talk about psychology in a way, how we view the world and human behavior and entertainment, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also a lot with um, sci-fi kind of stuff. The question boils down to like, if things go horribly wrong, how are humans going to react? Because <laughs> no, so, no sci-fi is like, look how perfect everything is. Everything's like, <laughs> it's wrong. It's all gone wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually telling this guy, Jason, I was like, you know, I remember watching Blade Runner way back in the day. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge sci-fi person. I watch like every sci-fi that comes out and, you know, War of the Worlds. And it's never like good. It's always like this very dystopic, uh-huh. messed up future. And it's like, yeah. do you think that's like, is that what we think about ourselves? You know, like that we're so destructive that this is what will happen or something like that, you know? Yeah. I I mean, <laughs> where my mind jumped to was like, are we living in that future now? <laughs> he said that. Oh my gosh. He literally said that. He said, I think it's just because we're just kind of living in it currently. That's why. And I said, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like w- truly what I think is um, it boils down to like, if we take this thing that we do now and we push it to the extreme what will the world end up looking like? Um, but then there's also, you know, aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big so, yeah. Um, so funny. Yeah, there, no, yeah. sci-fi is cool. Actually, I was watching the most recent version of War of the Worlds. Cause I remember watching the movie with Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. that really crazy. And then on Epics, they have... You know, I'm scrolling through, I'm doing probably what everybody's doing now, watching a lot of stuff here and there. And and I'm like, oh, War of the Worlds. And it's like an updated version of it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was crazy. I mean, it was like totally different than what the normal version of it was and stuff. Interesting. Just a lot of human psychology, just uh, mm-hmm. how we view what aliens may be and mm-hmm. what are their intentions. And it's, it feels like it's kind of a, parallel to like what are our intentions with each other we're kind of the aliens of each other in many Mm -hmm. ways you know yeah well and then what i often think about is why are we so convinced that aliens are so much more advanced than we are Mm. i don't know why are we (laughs) you know because we're always like oh they're gonna come here and they're gonna like test us and have all this like futuristic equipment and i'm like but why can't they be like dumber than us. <laughs> why, can't we, why can't we be the smart um, species out there? Um, but then I also always answer my question of like, well, if they're coming here, they've yeah. figured out how to get here and we haven't figured out how to get there. I think that's the main thing, right? Is like, if you could travel across across an ocean of stars that are so vast and wide, technologically, you, there's got to be some level that we're kind of monkeys compared to you. Totally, totally, absolutely. (laughs) You know, so it's just all these things I think in my life psychologically is, 
it's, you know, you think about your existence and the smallness of life compared to the cosmos, you know, and, but the bigness of people's personalities when you're in front of people, you know? Yeah. Like you, you have to experience that all the time in your practice on some level, like the different natures of people. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely what I deal with. Um, but also you don't have to be a psychologist to notice how like different people, um, hold different weight, you know, like how their personalities hold different weight for different people. And an example I always give is when you, um, are talking to somebody and they're like, remember the time that we did this and this and this. And you're like, no, like, I don't remember that at all. Um, but for them, it was like such a huge thing. And as a psychologist, that actually happens a lot because somebody will say like, well, you said this thing and I'll sit there and be like, did I, is that a thing that I said? (laughs) (laughs) Um, in a way that is like, um, cool, but then also terrifying. Like I remember when I hung up after our last um, chat and I do it whenever I have any recording of any kind and I go, oh my God, what did I say? (laughs) Like I immediately am like, oh gosh, what should I regret? Um, And then then I listened back and I was like, no, I stand behind that. I stand behind all that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting to see how different people hold different meaning you know? Um, and I I don't know. It's cool. It's also causes a lot of strife between people. Um, because one person really wants this thing to be important to others in the same way as it's important to them. Um, and then it's so often not the same for others. And then that causes, um, kind of questioning, I think. Questioning is interesting. Like I want to back up to kind of what people question about what they said. So that, what you just said about, man, what did I say after (laughs) that last, you know, it was a long conversation Uh and I have heard that many times from many guests, like, like, what did I, and even if, even if it's like, I produce the episodes very quickly, like within a week, your episode comes out. So, I mean, it's semi-fresh, but still you're going to forget, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, what is it about so many people probably questioning about the things they said when they talk to somebody on a format like this? Um, I I truly think it's the permanency of a recording. Mm. Um, And then also, I think we all know that like context is huge. Right. Um, so when something is recorded and you listen to it, it sounds different than if you're just having a conversation in person. Right. Um, and so I think what it comes down to is I've said this thing that is now going to go down in recorded history. Um, and I'm not going to be able to defend myself if it's questioned, you know? Um, but also, I don't know. I think as a people, we want to come across in a way that is who we feel we truly are. And I think 
the fear is that did I say something that in my head sounded one way, but then when I listen back to it, I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I was saying at all. Um, And we spoke a lot about humor last time and it comes up a lot with me because that's how I see my world. But I think humor is one of those really big things because humor is a lot about context. Um, And I was listening to a podcast recently that is a comedy podcast and um, they were making fun of this one guy and calling him like racist and bigoted, but like he Mm -hmm. wasn't it was funny because he's clearly not that um, and like is clearly truly concerned about equality. Um, But then he like made fun of himself by like being like, no, no, I'm not racist. And then said something, not that was racist, but that was like questionable. And then what the host did was he isolated that clip and played it like five times at the end of the session or Uh at the end of the like episode as a joke. And like, once you've listened to the whole episode, it's funny. Um, but I think that kind of plays into like, what can be taken from what I've taken out of context in a recorded field, I think is what's scary. It actually reminds me of, I just watched a series on Netflix called trial by media. It's very good. Yeah. And it's all about how the media's, media's portrayal of um, cases, court cases, mm-hmm. and jury, and how it mm-hmm. can be spun in a way to affect the outcome mm-hmm. of jury decisions. On Absolutely. It, right? And there's some high-profile cases, and there's some ones you just never heard of. Mm-hmm. And I was just really fascinated by that whole thing where they would take tape recordings and they would just isolate certain parts of the recording of people mm-hmm. to try to prove their guilt mm-hmm. on it. And I think that kind of ties into what you were saying is people, in many ways, I feel like people, they want to be represented accurately in their recording, mm-hmm. which is why for me, like I always present the entire thing. I know there's sometimes people will take bits and pieces from podcasts and put together kind of this very chopped up version of mm-hmm. it. And it may not sound like you, like, and your yeah. full representation. So I always tell people like, this is the full thing from front to end is you, it's you. Like mm-hmm. it's, so whatever you said is what you said, unless it was like crazy, like super <laughs> egregious, you know, and nobody yeah. says that on here. Nobody does that. Uh. But, um, I think it speaks to that that we want to re- we want to be represented um, um, we want to be represented accurately as ourselves, you know. Yeah. Well, one thing that you said just now was um, people want to be like what is recorded that is you, and there's yeah. something scary about that as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we only see ourselves from inside our head, right? And right. so then when we are played back at us. It's like, wait, what is that? What I sound like? Is that how, you know? And oftentimes, um, like for instance, in couples therapy, when you have one person talk and then you have the other person say, what did you hear? Um, I don't do couples therapy. I do like a lot of parent child therapy. So you have the child speak and then you say to the mother, what did you hear or vice versa? And, um, 
oftentimes the parent or the child is like, no, that's not what I was saying. Um, and then you kind of say, well, do you understand how that's what they heard? Um, and then it's like, yeah, I guess that it makes sense. And I think in, in what you were saying is like, what is recorded that is you when that's played back. Suddenly we have to deal with the like, Oh, is that me? <laughs> you know, am I the person who had that conversation and said that thing? Now, luckily what you're saying is like, not a lot of it is, um, egregious. <laughs> um, yeah. And still there are moments where, um, you kind of question like, how did that come across to others? What is the me that other people see? Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I try to be very, uh, I'm very gentle about that. Like, I mean, very rarely has somebody said, can you take that out? Like what I said, like uh-huh. maybe it happened like twice in the 127 seven episodes, you know? And, um, and I, you know, I've respected, I'm like, sure, it's no problem. I'll take it out. And hopefully it sounds as smooth as possible, you know, transitioning, uh-huh. but I think for most people, they're getting used to telling their story and all the graphic nature of it. And they're like, it's okay. Like, it just is what it is. You know, it's, and you kind of come to peace with the feedback that may come from it mm-hmm. for that, you know, especially if you're like, you're asking to be on something and you want to get your story out there. There's, there's an element of consequences to telling things, mm-hmm. you know, you can, there's freedom of speech. You kind of can say whatever, but there's consequences to that speech, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people want those consequences to be related to their at least to be their, the person they want to be, you mm-hmm. know, um, for that. So, and sometimes it lines up and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people say things, they get in the, the moment and they kind of let things bleed out <laughs> that yeah. they may not really say, but, you know, especially when you get comfortable with somebody, that's kind of my goal, be comfortable with me, you know, uh-huh. so you might get a little too comfortable. You never know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also there with the public nature of a podcast production is interesting because the recording is so private, right? Yeah. So it's so easy to think like, oh, well, this is just me having a conversation yeah. with one person. And then maybe when it's over, you're suddenly like, oh no, like, anybody can hear that. (laughs) Um, so then you start asking yourself, well, what did I say one-on-one that I might not have said standing in front of a room? Um, I have the tendency of having very strong opinions, (laughs) um, (laughs) in that I'm like, chances are, if I said it, I stand behind it. Um, with the exception that I would love I love it when people come up to me and we're like, you said this thing, here's how it is wrong or here's how it could be fixed. In which case I'm like, you're right. Next time that I speak, I will say something different. Um, But what is a struggle for me is then at the end of it, I say like, Oh, what did I say? That was a real strong opinion that could cause trouble Um, in a way where I can't easily get into a discussion about it. Right. Um, like on a podcast, somebody would have to like actively seek me out to say like, Hey, you said this thing, let's talk about it. Um, whereas if I said it to you, you could say, um, 
you said this thing, let's talk about it. And it's easy because we're already talking about it. Um, and I do think that kind of delay in space um, is what puts anxiety in people for things like this. Yeah, I think so. And there's the other element that I'm, I'm trying to be very present about and, and currently tracking. Like, you know, when you start a podcast, nobody's really listening. You know, there's not a lot of people listening. There's, you know, in terms of volume, but if you're very consistent and you do it over a long period of time, the the audience grows exponentially. It just keeps going and going Mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger. And, you know, the larger the audience gets, there may be times where I may have a guest who I had in the beginning and then I have in the middle and I have where I'm now. There may be, they may be like, well, before nobody said anything when I was on and now people are talking about this, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I'm like, well, that's the nature of an, of an increasing size of audience mm-hmm. and that you may, as Haley, come on the podcast two years from now and it may feel like a completely different experience, not you and me, mm-hmm. but, but the, the outcome. outcome. The outcome of our conversation may be very different in yeah. that time, you know, where something's getting... 200 plays in a month, and then it's getting thousands in a week. And then that keeps growing. The The potential consequences of our conversation, if you're like way out there or something, may be larger at that mm-hmm. point, you know? So I try yeah. to think about that on some level, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, I think, well, I also think that this plays a role in the changing um, nature of anxiety and, uh, feelings of depression and things like that, because, um, we live in a world where, uh, media presentation, mostly social media presentation is a large part of existence currently Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Um, and so constantly people are thinking about like, should I post this thing? I did post this thing. It only got two likes. Should I delete it? But then people will know I deleted it. Um, and kind of this constant concern of who am I presenting to the world and what does that mean about me? And, um, yeah, like for, so recently, um, a lot of comics have started following my personal Instagram. Um, and I have found that I'm sometimes a little bit nervous to post things. Cause I'm like, I think this is funny, but what if they don't think it's funny? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I have to ask myself like, a, are they even watching it? And B, is it important to me that they think this is funny? Um, and Sometimes the answer is yes, in which case I'm like, okay, now what's more important to me, posting it um, because of the humor or not failing? And sometimes I choose not failing, <laughs> right? Sometimes I'm <laughs> right, like, right. I'm not going to post this because then I can't fail at it being funny. Um, more often than not, I go through with a joke when I'm like, this is funny to me and that's all that matters, <laughs> um, right. which is interesting because something that I... I'm going to kind of take us off track a little bit, but it is related. Um, Something that I have come across frequently in my life is that um, in written word, people who know me in person are like, 
that sounds exactly like you. Like I can hear that that was you. Um, an example is um, in college, there was this um, retreat that was done. And um, one of the things that happens is a letter is read from somebody who is abroad to the people who are at the retreat. And um, a lot of my friends, the class below me were at this retreat and I got the opportunity to write the letter from abroad. And apparently two and a half lines in, one of the guys looked up at the other guy and said, this is Haley. And like a line later, another guy goes, oh my God, it is. And then by the end of the letter, they found out that it was me. And all of them were like, we knew it was you immediately. Like your voice just came through the words, which is wonderful if you know me. (laughs) Right. If you don't know me, it doesn't necessarily come across that way, right? Like if I tell a really bad joke and you know me, it's like, there goes Haley again. Like she knows that's a bad joke, but she thinks it's funny. So like it's endearing that she posted this really bad joke. Um, But if you don't know me, you're like, wow, funny. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You know? Um, And the thing, how was I going to tie this back in? I got lost in my story. (laughs) This happened to me last time too. I know. It happens Uh, to me all the time. I promised myself I wasn't going to let it happen this time. (laughs) Um, So um, I think the tie-in comes back to like, we present ourselves on the internet in the way that either in the way that is true to us in our life or in the way that is true to our internet presence. And hopefully those two things can be the same, but they're not always the same. So like my example is that my internet presence is probably not the same as my in-person presence because my in-person presence is just so silly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that, that is your presence on this with me? Uh, internet presence or Haley presence? Haley presence. <laughs> I think so, yes. Um, and I think part of that has to do with um, my ability to explain myself and also use tone and inflection and those kind of things. Because um, I think that plays a huge role, right? Yeah. Um, like if I tell a stupid joke and I go, and then the da da da, you know, it's like, okay, clearly she realizes it's silly. Um, but if I post that on a hundred and eighty or whatever Twitter allows, um, post, there's no way to know like how that person is coming across, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting experiment because for me, like when I have people on multiple times, I'm almost gauging like how our bond improves over time. Mm -hmm. You know, that was premeditated for me with not like knowing who I was going to have on several times, but like wanting to do that Mm -hmm. and say, how can I have certain people on, let's say like once a quarter type of thing. And then I'm kind of my experiment experiment is like, okay, for so I'm being aware of my own presence in a sense that the this time when I hit the record button and we got on, I started like basically doing a song. Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't do that the first time. No, we get on. I don't know you. I don't really. I still don't really know you. But like, mm-hmm. 
there's an inching closer forward where it's like, that's okay for me to do because I know Absolutely. you like humor. Yeah. Right. So I think I, my, one of my goals for this whole thing was like, how do I want people to see what it's like to build chemistry with somebody mm-hmm. that, you know, you start to know more and with people you don't know and that. And I think there's something neat to, ob- to observe that or hear that mm-hmm. and go, oh yeah, she's been on before. Clearly look at how they re- re- relate to each other. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of why people like podcasts so much um, is because they can watch the hosts grow or I guess hear the hosts grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can also build a relationship with those hosts as well because certain references refer back or certain personality traits um, become endearing, right? So let's say you started your very first episode with your very first person with that song, but then immediately jumped into like being serious. People would have been like, what's the deal with the song that you started with? Yeah. Right. But now that they've learned that you have a playful side with characters characters mm-hmm. with guests, um, <laughs> which it's interesting that that's the word that came through. That is interesting. Um, <laughs> um, but now that they see like that you have a playful side, when you do something playful, they giggle to themselves in the car and they're like, that's fun. Um, and then part of it is probably like, how's this guest going to react to that? And then they're also asking themselves, how would I react to that? And so I think it's this huge, cool thing that, um, podcasting in particular really allows people to do is to kind of look inward as to like, what role would I play in this conversation if I were allowed to jump in? Because there's not the distraction of what the person is wearing or how they're looking physically, or there's no storyline of a sitcom. It's literally just a conversation that the person listening feels a part of because they're privy to this private conversation, but they're also not a part of it. And I think that allows for a lot of self-reflection, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's kind of this weird audio voyeurism that's going on, you know, absolutely. and and it's like, wow, I'm hearing these two people talk and I'm hearing the chemistry or lack thereof. And I think for me, I've just been open to all levels of feedback about it. And, um, you know, I don't think it's ever been awkward for me, but there's certainly on my side where there's things where I feel like less engaged sometimes. Mm-hmm. I try not to let that happen sometimes, you know, but it depends on the energy, you know, Absolutely. we're having back yeah. and forth, you know, which is why I'm very hesitant to have, and this is the honest truth. I, I pride myself on being very transparent. Uh-huh. So we're both on that site, spot a guest on there. That's how I found you. You know, and, mm-hmm. and like, this is the truth. Like if anybody listens to this, that's on that site and they maybe wonder why I haven't reached out to them. It's like, if it's about like your business, like totally about your business and better business practice and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. That's mm-hmm. why, like, you know, Mark, how do you marketing 10 ways to market better? And st- like, mm-hmm. I don't care about that like that mm-hmm. much, like in terms of like a podcast, like, totally, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want people coming on and like, 
just talking about their practice or just talking about their book, like the guy I just had on before you, in a lot of normal situations of media, the whole thing would have been about his book, mm-hmm. like the entire thing, a big publicity tirade about his book. Mm-hmm. And we rarely talked about it. Or if we talked about it, it was in the realm of sci-fi and the larger conversation, a uh, philosophical conversation about sci-fi. Absolutely. So I want people to dig deep about their, about the, the kind of the psychosocial dynamics of things and yeah. the effects of that really deep down. And yes, there may be some discussion about what you do for a living here yeah. and there, you know? Totally. And that's because, so your goal, your personal goal for your podcast, this podcast is to create relationship, right? Relationship yes. with yes. person and people, that person cannot be separated from their context. Like their work is their context. Now, that being said, you find their work interesting as a part of who they are as a person. However, that's not the whole thing about them that you're looking for. You're saying, who are you as a person who happens to be a psychologist? Yes. Who happens to like comedy? Who happens to be a conversationalist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I knew I liked you. I knew that. Oh, hey. That's why I come (laughs) on here. I just want you to tell me how much you like me. (laughs) I want to affirm this about you, right? (laughs) Um, uh, It's cool. Yeah. Well, and I, that's a thing that I, um, love is when you meet somebody new and they don't ask you, so what do you do for a living? (laughs) And they say to you something like along the lines of like, so what do you love to do? Right. It's technically the same question, but they've changed it with one word. Right. So then if what you love to do is your job, you get to talk about it. However, if what you love to do is hike, you get to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have this one friend in Boston. It's um, when I lived there and he and I, when we get into conversations, it ends up being that like we're in the middle of a party and then it's three hours later and we haven't moved from the spot. Nobody else has talked to us. We've just like kind of gotten lost in the conversation because he's the kind of person that has these kinds of conversations that you and I are having now in real life. Um, not recorded one-on-one. Um, and I love those because to me, that is where connection lies. If somebody tells me like, oh, I sell small businesses for a living and let me tell you about how I do that. I think it's interesting. However, I'm not looking to sell my small business. So this isn't, necessarily connecting to me in any way. Now, if you're telling me why you're so passionate about the small businesses that you sell, I'm all on board for that. So um, a family member of mine is in finance. I get the general principles of finance, but like the greater like theories of how to move money and invest in certain things, but not other things. That to me just is not where my mind goes naturally. But when I watch this person talk about it, it like 
I love it because it comes from a place where they get so lost in their mind and talking about it that I'm like, I don't even care what you're talking about right now. I'm just enjoying watching you talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's human connection, right? It's not the conversation. It's the connection. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually amazing. Um, it's something I've craved my entire life. Um, when I was, uh, in high school, I didn't really know how to manifest that or execute it. And then I got a lot better at it in my 20s and definitely my 30s. And now my 40s, it's more of a language for me that I speak fairly fluently. Mm-hmm. And um, and so but I've gained that skill in many different ways, in many different settings, through public speaking, through uh, drinking at a bar with huh? friends. And, I mean, like lots of different ways. I mean, I can't I was telling um. My wife the other day, I was like, you can't believe how many conversations I've had about the cosmos two beers uh, in, two yeah, beers in at a bar. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's because that takes away the reason why we ask somebody, what do you do for a living? Is because we know that's a socially acceptable conversation. Yeah. Right. We know that's not going to make them well. We think that's not going to make them uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes it does make people uncomfortable. Um However, once you're two beers in, you kind of are like, this is what I really want to know. So I'm going to take <laughs> a little bit of a risk, right? Yeah. Um, there was something uh, – well, that's also something like as you were saying, like as I've gotten older, I've like learned new – like through public speaking, I've learned new ways to get to what I want. Um, and I think that's part of it as well is that it's – if you don't like the way something goes, don't keep doing it that way. Yeah. Right. Um, now some, you, you take a risk by doing that, right? Like saying to somebody like, um, Hey, tell me about something you love to do. You take the risk of alienating them because they get uncomfortable. Right. Yes. But you also take the risk of, connecting in the way that you want to connect. Yeah. I think there's, there's also some people, I mean, it's not a lot that I've come in uh, contact with, but where kind of a non-starter for me is if they're like, well, I want to talk about this, but I don't want you to ask me personal questions. I'm like, "Mm, that's really hard for me to do. Uh You know, like it's because it's part of, it's part of the other equation too, your personal Uh aspect. Yeah. So it's difficult to separate the two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I giggle because I kind of said that to you the first time. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> but also after you and I had that conversation, I remember walking away and being like, oh, he thinks that I don't want to talk about myself. <laughs> that was one of the things of like, what did I say? And <laughs> truly, like even now I stand behind what I said because what I was saying was – like for instance, if you were to ask me about my dating life, for instance, uh-huh. I wouldn't answer that question, right? Because let's say a patient of mine did find this podcast and then they listen to it and then they're like, oh, but I thought she was married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it like changes the thing, but then they don't bring it up. Now I don't know. I don't like, I, 
I am actually currently really struggling with this um, idea of of what you share publicly versus um, what you share in session as a psychologist and the role that mm-hmm. those two things play together. Because what is hard is I do think that as a psychologist, I do need to be careful about what I share publicly. Um, however, I'm also human, so I don't want to like limit my world because of my profession. Um, and also I currently am in the process of, um, potentially like growing my, um, like social media presence, mm-hmm. um, Yenza therapy and consulting at, on Instagram. <laughs> I was on there this morning, just so you know, I, oh, really? I was trying I, to find some stuff actually uh-huh. on transparency. I was like, cause my recordings are becoming more complex in the sense that I like to have audio uh-huh. that is not audio of like us talking together mm-hmm. as well. So I'm like, okay, what have you done like in other media forums that you'd like to share? Like I have a lady who's going to come on and talk about sex trafficking and that's her business. Like did, getting that done, like getting rid of sex trafficking, that's her business. Mm-hmm. Amazingly yeah. profound, <laughs> noble thing that she's doing, you know, yeah. and she has, you know, all these sound bites on CNN and all this stuff. And so I asked permission. I'm like, where can I use that? You yeah. Know? And then I'm in a bit, and I was going to talk to you about this anyways, but I'm like, where do you, do you have other stuff that I can use? You know? Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> so the goal is to absolutely, you know, put out videos. Um, the ultimate goal is to put out a podcast. Now, whether that's a mental health podcast or like a personal topic podcast, like a comedy one, I don't know yet. Um, however, I am a creative, so I really want to put that stuff out, but I haven't done it yet. Partly because I'm like, what, what, what do I, what do I want to do? Right. So kind of that, um, concern of how to start, um, is, is what's kept me from doing it. However, I have decided in June. Um, so I want to prep for the next couple of weeks and then in June start, um, kind of building that presence. Um, but part of what holds me back is I am concerned about the personal, professional and ethical, um, consequences or impact of having a social media presence um, as it relates to my work as a psychologist. I totally get that. And, and, um, and being totally bluntly honest, I did not take it the wrong way when you talked to me about it. My thought process, in my mind, I mean, in my mind, I thought it wasn't like a non-starter for me. It was just like, hmm, how do I navigate this? Mm-hmm. How do I, but then the other part of me was like, well, I would never ask about a specific client or names and things. I just would never do that. You know, yeah. like, so that was like, I know that I'm not going to do that, you know, but because I've, I've had a lot of work doing like work beating around the bush kind of with that stuff being like, well, if in your practice, these philosophies or these types of things, you know, or like kind of like larger conceptual things and very specific circumstances Mm -hmm. um, versus like, it's different with somebody who comes on and they're like, I want to share this terrible story that happened to me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, and they want to be really graphic about it. And I'm like, all right, go for it. I mean, you, I mean, that's on you. If you want to share it. Yeah. Yeah. You get to decide what you put out there. Yeah. You're, you're, it's your story. You want to, you want to verbally vomit everything. That's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, just whatever the blowback is, it is what it is, you know, as long as you're comfortable with that. But on some like, professionals about, you know, working with clients and stuff like, 
I feel the same way, but like my uh, curated social media presence, I think is very different than many people's. Like I choose not to have a large social media presence. It's on mm -hmm. purpose. I mm -hmm. only have LinkedIn and I recently, like last year, got on this spot, I guess. That's it for me. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't choose to do the other things because I just feel like I want to concentrate it in one area that I feel like I enjoy using, which is LinkedIn. And that seems more professional, which is more like myself. Mm -hmm. And I actually just don't want a lot of people knowing a lot about me from those devices. If I, my podcast is my way of controlling how people know about me in a, in a different way mm -hmm. you know? and in my thoughts and ideas. So when people say, oh, I want to, and they want to know more about me, I just direct them to the podcast. Like you can hear me talk for hours, hundreds of hours. So like yeah. <laughs> you'll get a great idea of who I am. Just listen to it, you know, that Absolutely. Was, you know, yeah. versus like the things I, I say in a post all over the mm -hmm. place. It's, I don't feel like it represents me very well all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's um, where I kind of struggle now is where I'm trying to balance how do I create a presence that is within my control and also um, – honors kind of the, the, um, environment that I want to create, right? Like part of what I want to grow is this, um, like for instance, Instagram presence where somebody can come and watch a video about what I think it means to say the authentic self, right? And maybe it clicks with them and they say like, wow, I've never heard somebody have that take before. And that really resonates with me. Um, however, I'm also nervous about like, what if somebody hears that and then they're already a patient of mine and then they never bring it up, but truly it's this like hidden thing behind the scenes. Um, but also I don't know if that matters. So I don't know. This is kind of where, <laughs> this is kind of where I am in my current, um, role as somebody who is a person first a psychologist second and a social media presence third. Um, and where do those lines overlap? Where do they, where do I want to keep them separate and those kind of things? Well, I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm very big into being very honest in my feelings about all people. Like, I think it's really important to tell people how you feel about them. Mm -hmm. And I deal with my wife. I deal with my daughter my friends. And I have to tell you, this is the reason why I want to keep having you back on regularly is because, um, I click with that. I click with your mentality and your openness, your honesty. I have to tell you, I truly enjoy having these conversations with you. It is like very, um, therapeutic to me. Yeah, of, of course. And, which I think is also kind of a good transition because I, I is one of the few things I've planned ahead of time. I never plan <laughs> on these things, but I, I just have some really interesting guests coming up. And one in uh -huh. particular, I think I want you to listen to the episode. Okay. I never tell people to listen to episodes. I'm just like, Hey, if you want to check this out, but uh -huh. I have Dr. Benjamin Hardy coming on very soon. Apparently, I mean, I don't know. Apparently he's extremely well known His 1.5 million YouTube views for his oh, TED talk. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know the guy, honestly. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh -huh. 
I really don't know him. He reached out to me about wanting to be on the show. So, um, but he is, I think, in line of thought also with um, people like Dr. Jin Hawk and Dr. Doug Lyle about personality, our current view about personality, and essentially that we are, our genetic personalities are set. Mm-hmm. What do you know about this? What are your thoughts related to it? Um, so I don't know him at all. The name sounded kind of familiar. So I actually just looked it up on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing that pops up is a book called Personality Isn't Permanent. Is yeah, this he's going to talk guy? about it. Yeah, he's yeah. going to talk about it on the show. Um, and then the subtitle is um, Break Free from Self-Limiting Beliefs and Rewrite Your Story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the sound of that. Um, so one time when we were in grad school, we were playing this game of like, if we boiled this person down to like one phrase, what would it be? And the friends around me couldn't decide between two, but the two that they settled on were, I'm the type of person who, and you guys know me, um, were the two phrases that they settled on for me. Mm. Um, and to me, that was kind of like shocking to hear. And I think that's kind of like the, the game, right. Is like the risk of hearing what people think about you. Um, and for me, I was like, well, I understand where it comes from because I am the type of person who, (laughs) um, tries really hard to act in a valued way. So do the things that feel true to me. Um, however, what it scared me was when I was talking to, um, a supervisor turned friend, he said to me, what if you're not the type of person who, and I was like, but what if I am, (laughs) um, and I don't know that I necessarily have an answer to that, but, um, to me, it really settles with this um, break free from self-limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's belief about yourself, belief about the world, belief about circumstances. Um, I think it's, I'm going to want to listen to it. Like that sounds very interesting to me because n- other than a um, a fatal choice, I have yet to get an example of a choice that can't be made differently in the future. Yeah. Um, and so as soon as we have any idea of something being ultimately totally permanent, I think that becomes limiting. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like I had recently listened to this podcast episode it was actually like someone referred it to me and it was it was more actually it was like a plant-based episode, which I'm not a plant-based, like I don't follow that particularly, but they were like, you got to listen to Dr. Jen Hawk talk about personality and this, and what she was presenting is overwhelming evidence of genetic, the genetic personality and, and that your personality is shaped like kind of like you're inched forward or backward or on the spectrum based off of like the ocean thing, you know, the five traits, you know, of kind of like, you know, neuroticism and extroversion and conscientiousness and that whole deal, you know, open-mindedness and that you're kind of like shifted between like there's, there's, there's a spectrum of you may be very agreeable, 
but what level of agreeable are you? Like, what's your genetic personality and how agreeable are, are you on that spectrum of your genetic personality? And the people who are around you affect how that pendulum swings on mm-hmm. that. Yes. And I think he kind of subscribes to that in a sense, but also on not having these self-limiting beliefs. I just, I just, it's going to be interesting. I think he does great work and um, I really like what he's about. So, but I think I love to kind of swing people around each other and say, okay, give me this view as, as a fellow psychologist or so like, what, what is this about? Like, what are your thoughts about it type of thing? No, absolutely. Um, I only have six minutes left and then I have a patient. Um, Me too, actually. I don't have a patient, but uh, more conversation. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Um, I'm aware. I'm aware, Haley. Okay. (laughs) Well, I also gave it a little bit of a break so you can edit it out if you want to. (laughs) Um, My, my thought truly, as you were speaking about, um, ocean, um, I think those things, if they are held as a steadfast rule, they become limiting, right? So if I have this belief that I am agreeable, suddenly when I don't agree with something, it's going to make me question my whole world, right? And so so I don't necessarily believe that we should steadfastly stick to any description of ourselves, of the world, because things change, right? If you and I are talking about comedy and we find the same people funny, I'm going to agree with a lot of the things you say. Yeah. If you start spouting beliefs about World War II and things that did or did not happen, chances are I'm going to get pretty disagreeable. (laughs) Um, And so then if I have this belief in myself that I'm an agreeable person, when I feel that I don't agree with something, it's going to make it harder for me to connect with that feeling because now suddenly I'm like, but I'm an agreeable person. What does it mean if I don't agree? Um, And I think as long as we hold things loosely, no matter what they are, as long as we hold them loosely, they are beautiful. It's when we create these rules or these ideas or these beliefs about ourselves or the world that become cages rather than support structures, that's when they become a problem. Fascinating. I, I, of course I could, uh, I have a lot more to talk about that, but we both have things to do. And, uh, I, it's my mistake. I need to reserve like two hours for you. Yeah. There's just too much to talk with you about all the time. Um, and it, it goes easy. So, um, and my problem is that I can talk about anything. (laughs) That's the best part. That's see, that's the podcast for me is my brain is like the podcast is we can go about, we can, we can go 12 rounds on any topic. Absolutely. When you brought up sci-fi, I was like, bring it. I can do this. I mean, we talk about aliens and then we we talk about personality. I mean, come on. And what something like that, I mean, it's all kind of strung together of how we present ourselves, how we believe ourselves and and what we think about the world. So it all has a theme. Um, but it also something that just popped in my mind now was we were talking about like how things are perceived um, in media versus how they are intended. And if we bring it back to War of the Worlds, the first time it was presented was on the radio and people thought it was a news report. 
Yes. So people thought that it was actually happening. Um, and I think if we take that as an example of the way things can be perceived on media versus how they are intended um, and the role that that can play, that could spark so many thoughts. But that's for next time. It is for next time. And ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful, the amazing, the easy to talk to Haley Roberts. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 250 engaging programs online. Praised for its culture of community, students engage with faculty and connect with counselors who take a personalized approach for your success. GCU's online students received over $144 million in scholarships in 2021. Visit gcu.edu myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. (laughs) Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.